Blog Talk Radio. Amen, amen. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Hope you're having a great day so far. Amen. I want to thank God for this this moment. I want to thank God for how my day has went today. I want to thank God that my wife is home now, so he has evidently taken care of her throughout the day and still is. If you ask her, he still is. promise you. So, uh, again, uh, good evening. Uh, welcome to the Royal Bluettes. Uh, radio show on Chaos Blog Talk um, that is owned and operated by Mr. Elder Oliver. Uh, we appreciate you, sir, for this platform and the many platforms that you provide to other folks as well. May God continue to bless you. Whatever you put your hand to, may God bless it and expand it. Amen, amen. So it's just me and my wife tonight. Uh, my youngest daughter has something to take care of. I got a middle daughter that's also. She just got off work. Huh? She just got off work. Okay, well, she just got off work. All right, my my uh, youngest daughter. My middle daughter, who's also usually on with us, is uh, in Jamaica at the moment. Seems like she's always on vacation. That's a good thing. Hope she can afford it now. She'll be calling me next week. Daddy, help me with something. But God is good. I'm glad that she's enjoying her life, uh, as we all should. So tonight, again, it's just me and my wife, my best friend, my partner. Uh, I could say that we used to be partners in crime also, but that some crime days is over with. And we're just trying to do. You were by yourself. I wasn't your partner in crime. All right, so I already, y'all see how the night is going to go. Uh, I was going to uh, finish that up with just me doing something and her, not not her, but, you know, she jumps to conclusions real quick. That's what I deal with every day. So every day is a, is a party, or every day is a, a mutiny, or every day is a sitting in court as a witness getting cross-examined by the prosecutor and the defense in my house. So, um Tonight, I'm going to do a Bible study, and the floor is open to my wife um, to jump in at any time. Um, And again, this Bible study is going to be line upon line and precept upon precept, and it's going to be commentary as far as what these scriptures are saying. What the actual scripture is saying in the commentary or the application of it behind that. Uh, Some explanations may be a little longer than others. Just bear with me. Just remember which scripture I read and what I'm reading about that scripture, and then I'll double back and read that scripture again before we go to the next scripture. Some scriptures might be two at a time, three at a time, or one at a time, but as it's combined or not combined, the explanation of what the writer, in this case the Apostle Paul, was saying will be summed up in the commentary of that scripture. So, I'm going to ask my wife to pray us in, and uh, we'll get started as soon as she's done praying. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we just want to say thank you for this is another day that you have made, Lord God, and we have been rejoicing all day in it, Lord God, and I just want to say thank you, Lord God, 
for this Bible study that my husband is getting ready. Lord God, anoint his mind, anoint his lips, Lord God. Let him say the things that you want him to say, Lord God. Let no flesh get any glory, Lord God. And I just want to say thank you, Lord God, for him teaching this Bible study line upon line. And, Lord God, for um, for even the babes can understand it, Lord God. And I just want to say thank you, and I just want to say praise you for using him for your glory, Lord God. Not our glory or his glory, but for your glory. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord God, let somebody get something out of um, this lesson on tonight that can carry them for the rest of their life. Lord God, in, the, in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, sweetie. So I don't usually give a subject when I when I teach, um, but I want you to keep in mind of what we're going to read and go through. Keep in the back of your mind unity in the body of Christ. Unity in the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4. Coming out of Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to be starting at verse 1. I'll give you a second to get that. And Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Keep in the back of your mind unity in the body of Christ. Unity in the body of Christ. Now my wife's dog wants to start barking or whimpering. Unity in the body of Christ. So Ephesians 4, we'll start at verse 1 through. Ricky, talk a little bit while I put your dog out, kick your dog out. I mean, put your dog outside, please. The dog out of you. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, sorry about that little delay. So, Bible study tonight is Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. And we're going to talk about verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians chapter 4. And keep in mind, all unity in the body of Christ is a subject. So, Ephesians 4 and 1. I, there, prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And I could stop right there and put my own explanation on that because I've heard this taught and preached uh, many times. And a lot of people think that it's uh, (laughs) an elder or a minister or a pastor or whatever. But let's keep going. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So I'll read that one more time. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. All right. So 
So I'm going to give a little history to how Paul got to this point from chapter 1 to chapter 4. So in Ephesians 1, Paul explained that we were chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, he described our being dead in sin and becoming alive in Christ followed by a detailed explanation of how Gentiles and Jews are now one in the body of Christ. This continues in chapter 3, followed by a prayer for spiritual strength and a comprehension of the vastness of God's love for us. Paul then wanted his readers to put this doctrinal teaching into daily living. So he began making application by saying, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. That's Ephesians 4 and 1, where we started tonight. His appeal came while he was in prison under house arrest at Rome, but he was still concerned about those he loved. He viewed himself as being there by the Lord's will, as seen in his calling himself the prisoner of the Lord. Rome was not in control of his life. The Lord was. The fact that he was able to write to believers freely gives an indication that he was in God's service. So therefore, so the word therefore in Ephesians 4.1 is clear indication that Paul wanted something practical to come out of his doctrinal teaching. The Greek word for worthy means to live appropriately and is meant to portray a balance on which our calling and conduct weigh out equally. Such living is to be accomplished through three specific attitudes. Lowliness refers to an attitude of humility, the opposite of pride. True unity among those in the body of Christ would not be accomplished in pride if pride motivates us. The second attitude, meekness, is a reference to a gentle rather than one that is aggressive or harsh. Long-suffering is a spirit of patience that would enable us to lovingly tolerate each other's irritable (laughs) attitudes. As we allow the Holy Spirit to develop these attitudes in us, we will promote the unity of peaceful existence with God, uh, existence uh, full of existence with God among his own. So that was a full explanation of verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read those three verses over again, and I'm going to ask my wife if she got anything for us tonight. So Ephesians 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Sweetie, you got anything behind those verses? Um, just walking worthy, wherewith ye are called. You're breaking up kind of bad. Where you are called? Walking no, your worthy. voice. Your, your voice is breaking up a little bit. Okay, what about now? 
It's crystal clear. Okay. Walking worthy, wherewith um, where you are called. Um, I just want to just make it clear for us to walk in our calling so we can walk worthily. Because a lot of times we can get outside of our walk or our calling to make us unworthy. Because when when you're walking in somebody else's calling or if you're not walking in your calling, you you become unworthy because it's, it's it's harder for you to walk in that calling because it's not yours in the first place. So we just have to make sure that we're walking in the calling where uh, where we are called, not where somebody else has called you. Okay, so when you say walking in our calling, are you you talking about a title or or what? No, just walking in your gift. Walking in whatever you're doing. Okay. I mean, I'm not talking about a title. I really don't have a title, but I'm walking in what God called me to do, without a title, because God didn't give me a title. He didn't even give me the evangelist. God didn't give me that. Man did. So I'm walking in my calling without a title. So no, I'm not talking about a title. Okay. I would just asking that just to distinguish for the listeners. That's all. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. So when when I when I look at these three verses and, and how we're called by God in whatever capacity, um, versus what you may see somebody else doing or how they're doing their calling, we can't be jealous of one another in the body of Christ because each part is perfect in the makeup of the body of Christ. So uh, if one is more louder than you or seems to be better than you or gets more attention than you, let it be. Your part is to do what God called you to do. And that creates, and when we do that, that creates the unity of the body that that makes up the body that has several different parts, like our human body has several different parts. And some parts on our body get more glory or more attention than others. So that's how we have to keep that perspective in mind, is to be humble toward that which is out there on the stage while you in the audience looking. Be humble to that which is making a lot of noise and getting all the hand claps and all the recognition and all the comments and all this, that, and the other, be humble because your part makes it possible for their part, if that makes any sense. So whatever function you have in a talent show, a movie, script, uh, whatever you're doing at work, whatever your position is or whatever, that makes up the company. That makes up the talent show. That makes up the movie. Do your part. So in reality, do your part of what God has given you the talent to do. And just make sure you do it wholeheartedly with meekness. Make sure you do it with long-suffering. I mean, forbearing, forbearing things, long-suffering for, for it's not there yet, or long-suffering for you humilitize, or, or forbearing one another in love you know, for the unity of peace. So, and even to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Amen. So let's go to 
on verses 4, 5, and 6. So we're coming out of Ephesians chapter 4 through verse uh, 1, 2, and 3. A subject to keep in mind is the un- is unity in the body of Christ. Unity in the body of Christ. So now we're going to go down to verses 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So I'll read that again, and we'll go to the commentary of what that means. So verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called and one hope of your calling. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So let's see what Apostle Paul is saying on that. So here's why we should be so concerned about maintaining unity uh, amongst ourselves. There is just one body and one spirit. As it is with any human body, so it is with the body of Christ. Fractures cause nothing but pain and inability to operate properly. The one body, one spirit Paul mentioned are the first two of seven facets of the unity of the body of Christ. The next one is the one hope of our shared calling. We believers all have a common hope for the future, namely eternal life with him. There is but one Lord Jesus for all of us. How can we believers have the same Lord and not live in unity. How can we believers have the same Lord and not live in unity? He becomes our Savior by the avenue of faith, and there's no other way. So we come by just one faith. That is that is part of our unity. We also all share one baptism, having been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And all and overall is and overall is the one God and Father we share. He is described in superlative terms, above all and through all, in you all. This is limited to believers, because only those who receive his son have the Father. Our unity is a result of the strong work of the triune God. Amen. 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 So I'm going to read them verses again, and we'll see if you got any comments. I think it was Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6, 4, 5, and 6. So there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Mm. So remember our subject, unity in the body of Christ. Ricky, you got anything, sweet? Um, just um, he just repeated again your calling. I think um, just stay in our lane, do what God huh? called us to do. 
He's mentioning again in verse 4 um, about your calling. If we just all just stay in our lane and do what God called us to do, then it will be um, and remain um, peace, love, and harmony in the in the bond of peace. And everybody could stay in the in, in the in, in the spirit of of in the bond of peace. A lot of times we get um, um, irritated or rubbed the wrong way. You know, when we're trying to do everything for everybody, and we get frustrated. So if we all just stay in our lane and do what God called us to do, and don't don't worry about it. Yes, it's going to be a time where we, some people, are going to have to, you know, step it up and do things until somebody else comes. But when God starts blessing um, the body of Christ, there's nothing wrong with stepping back and letting others, you know, shine. And that would keep the unity in the church and in the bond of peace, in the spirit. If we just stay, um, just stay in our lane. And he mentioned calling again in four. Hope. Yeah, so verse four in one, there is one body, one spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling. So that means what that Paul is saying right there in verse four is about that one faith, one hope in faith. For eternal life, but yeah, all right. So we all, all hoping, uh, and we're all hoping for the same thing. I hope Paul we should have one hope. Yep, yep. That's what Paul is saying right now. That's for the unity in the body of Christ. There is one body, one spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling. So there's what Paul is saying before. There's no other way, and the hope that we're calling. The hope that we are hanging on is that faith, and only faith through Jesus Christ can we have this, uh, can we be with God eternally. So, yeah, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. All right, good deal. So we're going to move on from there, and we won't be with you guys. We won't hold you too long tonight. So. Uh, we're going to go to verses 7 and 8 of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So hear what I'm, I'm, I'm reading now. Now um, Paul is going into um, why we should have this one hope because of our calling, why we should be doing the things that we're doing, as in verse 2 where he mentioned, with all loneliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, and endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through you all, and through all and in you all. All right. So verse seven and eight. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of gift of Christ. So I can read this commentary. I can just explain this, but I'm gonna read this commentary also, unless I'm provoked to to put more into it. 
so verse 7 and 8, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Verse 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, uh, captive and gave gifts unto men. All right? So let's read the commentary on what those two verses mean, 7 and 8. This is talking about grace that is given. The previous verses have discussed the basis of our unity as the body of Christ, right? The, pre, the verses we read before. One of the factors in maintaining that unity is the receiving of spiritual gifts by each other. According to the idea of giving of spiritual gifts, Paul quoted from Psalm 68, verse 18. Some think he quoted just this verse, but because of variances, others think his quote was intended to summarize the entire song. I'm giving you what Paul is saying and what the commentators and theologians have wrote about these verses. It is a victory song describing how God works on behalf of his children and how he will give them victory over their enemies. The quote portrays a military victor leading his captors home and giving gifts to his subjects. Hmm, that's good. That's deep. The captors in this case, though, are his own people rescued from another captain. The picture here of Jesus, who won a great victory at the cross, he returned home, that is, ascended to heaven, victorious, with the ability to free all those who had been previously held captive by sin. Because of his victory, he was also able to give gifts to, to his people, specifically those who had received him as Savior and were now part of his newly formed church. I don't know if that's too deep for y'all, but I got that. I got that. So I'm going to read verse 7 and 8 one more time. Oh, excuse me. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Amen. You got anything, Tink? That just reminds me um, when you you, um, you said it a couple of times um, in your walk to me about giving people grace and why you give people so much grace is because God gave you so much. And and that's why you give people um, the grace that you give them. And I should I should look at um, look at it the same way. And ever since you told me that, that's I, that's how I look at it. You know, giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, just trying to trying trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. More 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 or less. You know, trying to be more understanding of others because God um, was understanding for us. And we've come from a, a rough side of the track, and God has given us so much grace. And you and you made that clear to me, you know, and it's, that, that stuck with me. That stuck with me. And I think about that, you know, often when I want um, to, to just do what I want to do. With people, and you have to, I just have to remember, you know, the grace that God gave me. Amen. Um, and and I think about I think that way to this day. Um, even when I do get stubborn, 
even when I do have an attitude, but, you know, someday we all have, we stubborn, we have attitudes, we have rough days or whatever, whatever. Um, I, I cannot escape giving somebody the benefit of doubt. I can't escape it because I am so, and, and, and I am so grateful that God extended his grace to me when I didn't even know who he was. In situations, um, <laughs> a lot of situations I couldn't get myself out of. And um, he didn't have to do that for me because at that time in my life, I was so rude. I was so, I was so quick. I was so, <laughs> I was so unchristlike. I promise you. I was reading something else this morning. Um, studying something else this morning about um, Christ. Christ died for sinners. God sent his only begotten son to die for sinners. Not those who was doing well. <laughs> Ain't that something? And God knowing full well, and Christ knowing full well, um, that a lot of people was not going to even accept it. And still live their life the way they wanted to live it. And a lot of people he was given over to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient. So do I extend grace to people? I do. As much as I can. I'm not perfect. But as much as I can, I do. Because I'll never forgive what God when God extended his grace to me. So, amen. So anyway, yeah, verse 6 and 7, One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity, he led Captivity captive, which is sin, and gave gifts unto men to make it through. Wow. That's cold. That is cold. All right, so let's move on to uh, verse 9 and 10 of Ephesians chapter 4. I was talking to my middle daughter, Vanessa, about this a while back, about, um, for me, I don't know if it's for anybody else, but maybe you may, it may be on your mind going forward that, Almost to me, especially in the New Testament, when it gets to verse 9 and 10, those are some powerful verses when I'm studying or reading. 9 and 10 seem to always have a power punch in whatever you're reading in the Bible. That's just me. That's just me. 9 and 10 of anything you're reading, and especially in the New Testament, verses 9 and 10 are powerful. It's going to be either verse 9 by itself or 10 by itself, and most time it's both verses combined. So just keep that in mind. Just just a little something, you know, through my studies. I, I found that to be, be so with me. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we're reading about unity in the body of Christ, and we are at verses 9 and 10 of Ephesians chapter 4. So this is talking about victory 1. So 
verse 9 and 10 of Ephesians chapter 4 reads thus, Now that he ascended, what is it but also he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. That's that's powerful to me. I don't, I don't know about you, but that's powerful to me. So let's get the, uh, the commentary on that from the theologians. So verse 9 and 10 is saying, in the context, these verses offer an explanation of how Christ gained the right to give gifts to his church. Verse 8 mentioned Christ's ascension a reference to his ascending to heaven from earth following the resurrection. This statement argues that if Christ ascended, of necessity he had to have descended first. This is a lot, uh, there's a lot of difference of opinions on the meaning of into the lower parts of the earth. There's been a lot of conversation about this through the theologians, the scholars, right? So there's a lot of difference of opinion in the meaning of entering into the lower parts of the earth. There are those who simply reverse the idea of Jesus' ascension from earth to heaven, with his incarnation being his descent from heaven to earth. Hear me out. Hear me out. The lower parts of the earth would then refer to his mother's womb. This is what people think. In Isaiah 44 and 23, a similar phrase refers to the created earth, pointing out mountains, forests, trees. This would then be contrast with the highest heavens to which he ascended. It has long been taught that this phrase pictures Jesus descending as far as Hades, which is hell, although it seems that in recent days this idea has not been favored among interpreters. So Acts chapter 2, 27 through 28, and 1 Peter 22 are considered in this interpretation as they should be if this was what Paul intended. A third thought is that the phrase refers to his death, burial, and human grave. Whatever is meant, here's here's, here's another, uh, is the conclusion of those three matters, or those three conclusions. Whatever is meant, we should note that the emphasis is on the contrast between his ascension and de- his descension. He ascended to place he ascended to a place of highest exaltation, far above all heavens. He returned to his place of universal leadership, to his place of authority over everything, and with the right, therefore, to bestow gifts unto whom, whomever he wishes. So it's, it's kind of historical that means um, I have always thought um, that he went and gave the word in hell so there's no excuse for anybody not hearing the word. All right? So you any comments on that, Chank? My wife? What comes to my mind is he left no st- stones unturned. He did what? Stones unturned. Oh, that's a country saying. Um, He left no stones unturned. He, I can't explain it. He left, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. He left no no stones unturned. So he he was there. He he touched there, 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 everywhere. He 
the whole the whole universe, every every everything. So, so when it left. came, time. so it was no no excuse. So when it when it came when it comes time for God to speak to those in hell, they can't say I didn't know. Uh uh-uh, uh, because he went there. That's my belief of what that means. He left no no stone unturned. Nobody has an excuse. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's the way I see it. That's the way I see it, too. Let's read verses 9 and 10, then we're going to go directly into verses 12, 11 and 12. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4, subject tonight, unity in the body of Christ. So we're going to read 9 and 10 and go into 11 and 12. Now that he ascended, what is it but he also descended? First into a load of lower parts of the earth. He that descended. Hello? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. Ricky, you have to go on mute. So now we are in Ephesians verse 11 and 12, unity in the body of Christ. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I've heard this preached and taught, and, and you wouldn't believe in so many ways in it. It wasn't the truth and what that means. All right? So here's the explanation. And we're talking about the unity of the body of Christ and also what the body of Christ needs to become an even greater body in Christ, a better church in Christ, unified. And what Jesus did was provide a way for that to be the best it could be. So, the explanation of verses 11 and 12, equipping and edifying, the gifts mentioned here were given to the church so they could have an effective ministry. These were gifted men with God-given abilities. We must not there, uh, I'm sorry, we must note there's a difference between spiritual gifts and natural gifts. Spiritual gifts are those special God-given abilities that enable us to be used in edifying the body of Christ. And again, spiritual gifts are those special God-given abilities that enable us to be used in edifying the body of Christ. I could stop right there, start some stuff right now, and we could talk about it all night, but I'm not. Four categories of these gifted men are named here. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. And pastor teachers is is pretty much the same. Pastors are put in place to look over the sheep or the flock and teach it and teach it teach them at the same time. So it is and, and you do have pastors in church and you do have teachers in church, right? Because I was a super uh what was it, superintendent of Sunday school teacher. But Pastors, the way that this was given and, and it is considered, 
in the eyes of Jesus that a pastors also should be teachers too. If you have a pastor in your church and he can't really teach, I ain't saying that he wasn't God given. I I'm not saying that, so don't 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 spread that I am. I'm just saying. But that pastor that can't really say teach real good, uh, most likely he got a teacher in the church though. Right? All these gifted men were meant to equip the believers to do the work of the ministry. Ah, we can stop right there too, right? All these gifted men were meant to equip the believers to do the work of the ministry and to build up the saints in ways that would enable them to contribute to the unity of the body of Christ. How much today is all this out of proportion? <laughs> I'm not saying every church is like this. You know, I'm not saying that at all. So I don't want to put that out there that every church, every church, I'm not saying that. You know, you may have been somewhere where you saw you didn't see all this. You may have been somewhere where a title was so high, you know, you, 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 had, to, you had to brush the floor before, you know, one of them gifted ones walked. Well, I'm just saying, I ain't trying to start no mess. What what you got, uh, my sweet wife, on that? <laughs> I was just gonna say preparing, uh, preparing the the lay members. Um, that's not none of those titles on how to serve and how you know to conduct services and to go out and pull those in that's like them but prepare them to do so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and enlighten them on what a prophet is. Because uh, some people may have profit abilities and don't know it. You know, uh, enlighten them on, on what a pastor is, is set in place for. Because some of them could be great leaders uh, with attributes that are out of this world that can that can be pastors and don't well, know start, it. I should say stir up the gifts as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, the thing is, uh, you know, and I'm just speaking on experience that that, that that some title holders, you know, they, they try to keep it. They don't want to see another person. I won't say that. It seems like they don't want to see another person come up to their level and even go beyond their level. But, you know, the best thing you can do with the abilities that you have is teach somebody what you know, and and hopefully they'll learn more than what you give them and be better than what you are so they can keep it moving. That's a good teacher. That's a good teacher. Like at work, I got guys that work for me, and I try to teach them as best I can about leadership so they can go on and be leaders. And that that not saying that I want to be looked at that, I, uh, that I'm that good. No, it's just that that's a good look on you, that you can pass an ability on a skill on, um, and, 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 and somebody take that and run with it and build other leaders, of other ministers, other prophets, uh, uh, other pastors, and just that's the unity of the body of Christ. <laughs> there's nowhere in the Bible, there's nowhere in the Bible where it has a certain number on who could, how big that church can be. Right. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that. All right? So, so 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 having some apostles and some prophets, I can't speak on apostles because the only true apostles I knew about was in Jesus' day, and we didn't need apostles from what I'm understanding after that. 
to have miracles and all that. Uh, uh, but and that's a long story. I won't even go into that. But to have uh, some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors, which are teachers, is needed for the unity of the body of Christ. To and, and, to, to to and it says for the perfecting of the saints. Mm-hmm. For the per- perfecting of the saints, to teach in the saints, mm-hmm. for the work of the ministry, for they can be part of the work of the ministry, right. so the ministry can grow, so the ministry can reach out even further than where you don't go. That right. person may live on the other side of town, but they're being taught, and they're being they're being taught the ways of God. Uh, they're being taught the doctrine of Jesus Christ. That where you don't go, they go, and that's how things spread. That's how things get out there. That, and 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 it, and it really upsets me. Upset me when somebody, uh, get over in the in the pulpit and, and and speak and got the microphone and speaking over the pulpit about well somebody you know somebody evidently trying to help somebody else, but we want to talk about that person because they ain't part of the ministry. Come on now, they ain't part of the ministry because you ain't embracing them. They ain't part of the ministry because you're not unified with them. Maybe they unified with God, and you're not. See, so I, I don't, I don't want to go all deep into that. I know I, I could, but I want to teach this tonight. I do. So, so, so even if we're not even talk about talking about church right now or the unity of the unity um, of the body of Christ. If maybe we just talk about normal life, work, anything you're doing in life. If you got a chance, if somebody's asking you and seeking your guidance, your leadership, because they see leadership in you, teach them and give them all you know. Give it to them. Don't be selfish. Don't be envious and that they might be get better than you. No, person to be better than you. Uh-huh. See, you want the future to get brighter. Not stay deal. Right. Because you only got one one flashlight on or one light on in the house. No. See, it, and, and this, is, this is the best example I can give about that. In my house, I only need one light. And that's in the room I'm in. <laughs> and you know where I'm finna go with this. And, and that was my example right there. And thank you, Jesus, for this example. Mm. Even though my one room is lit, and I'm satisfied. When my kids come over, right, they come into that room where I'm at, but as they go through the house, they're cutting on every light switch they see. And that's how your teaching should go. Mm. That's how that word should run. It should get brighter and brighter. That who's ever under you ought to be brighter than what you give. Because mm. you don't live the life to where you don't have so much understanding. You should be living a life where you don't got so much understanding of the Word of God, then walked in the Word of God, then experienced the Word of God, then been through hell and high water, and you saw God pull you out, that you should be able to teach what you know to somebody else, and they take that and run with it, and then join it with their life so they can teach on it more. So when my kids come over, they and they leave where I'm at in that one lit room, if I follow where they've been, I'm thinking they're checking to see if the lights just work all over the house. <laughs> that's how that's how a pupil that's how somebody under you should be able to do you ought to be able to pick up the paper one day 
Oh man, Minister So and So. Oh my God, it was it was seven thousand people there, and three thousand got saved. It, uh, it should be that way. You got some, Rich? No, sir. No, sir. I'm good. You doing good? Amen. Amen. We got a couple more words. I might have to finish next week. Um. So we're going to go to verse 13 and 14. I'm off track. I'm just I ain't off track. You don't want to be off track. <laughs> so we're going to go to verse 13 and 14. I'm going to read 11 and 12. We're going to go right into 13 and 14. That we had a commentary on 13 and 14. So 11 and 12 is Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of church. Verse 13 and 14, and we get the commentary between, I mean, of 13 and 14. Till we all come. See, see, here we go right here. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slay of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Come on, Paul. Paul Cole. Now, Paul Cole, when he writes this stuff. So 13 and 14 is, 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 is actually saying from the theologians, uh, 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 um, the ultimate goal of the ministry of these gifted men and all those in the body of, of Christ is spiritual authority. I'm sorry, spiritual maturity. And you want people, as long as they stay under you as a leader, to mature and mature and mature to one day they leave the house. To one day they leave the position they in that you was over them in and get another position in the company because of what you gifted them with because you shared your knowledge of God, because you shared your understanding of Jesus Christ through the Holy Ghost now, because you've done all you can do in the vocation which God called you, that whoever you sharing your knowledge with and whatever God gives you to give them, you give that, you give all of that to them. You can't hold back what God gave you to give to somebody else because you think they're going to step up better than you, please don't do that. Please don't do that. You could be working for God every day and don't know God fired you. Please don't do that. So, 13 and 14, the ultimate goal of the ministry is gifted men of all uh, all those in the body of Christ of spiritual maturity. You want people to mature, not stay up under you in your church, in your ministry. People ought to mature. Start their own ministry if God calls them to do it. A unified faith centered around growing understanding of Jesus is of the utmost importance if we are to grow spiritually and have an effective ministry to others. This will lead uh, to spiritual maturity, not sinless perfection. Among the church membership, let me read that one more time.
to see. Okay, okay. This will lead to spiritual maturity, not sinless perfection. You know, as we see sinless perfection, thinking this perfection is right, and, and, and anyway, among the church membership. This, in turn, will lead to our coming uh, more and more like Jesus, uh, which will result in greater unity in the body. This maturity is contrasted with the immaturity of children who are easily influenced. Immature believers are easily influenced by false or inaccurate teachings. Deliberate false teaching comes from those who craftily and purposely twist the scriptures in order to attract followers to themselves. Mm, mm. Keep going. You highlight yourself. Keep going. Instead of, speak, instead of speaking the truth about the word of God. Don't you know that God don't you know that God will elevate you if you give the complete truth of what he gave you? Don't you know God will give you a, a sense of satisfaction that he is well pleased in you if you just do what he asks you to do? Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just Amen. do it. And if and if you're one of those children of God that want to be elevated in the summer, whatever, be 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 humble first. And do what's right, and God will elevate you. He Amen. may not give you, He may not give you the desire purposely of your heart, but He'll elevate you in such a way uh, that you'll be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And stop, stop. And what, what we're doing is we we cheating people out of the, the total word of God. You ain't you ain't cheating God. You cheating the people, the children of God who he has given grace like he gave you grace. So if we say if we say we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and we believe we are saved, and then God takes us and places us in the ministry to edify him, to glorify God and edify Jesus, and, and to teach the people so they can be mature Christians so they'll be running around like children that every time a teacher come around, they believe that teacher for whatever they say. No, somebody come to your church and they preaching for the first time, and if you have taught right, if you have given the people the truth of what God gave you to give, can't nobody come in there and teach nothing different. You have hands raised in the air. Hey, hey, wait a minute, wait. That ain't what that means. Okay. See? But if you ain't doing that in your community church, if you ain't doing it, giving the truth on your job to your subordinates that are under you, uh, another leader can come in and say something else and have your whole, all your people just wishwashed, not following the guidelines at all that you set forth. Say hoodwink. Huh? <laughs> I say hoodwink. Hoodwink. Bamboozle. See? So whatever state you are in your life, whatever you work, church, anywhere, and you a leader, get the truth. Get the basics. Get the foundation. Set the foundation so that who's ever under you, including yourself, can stand on. Hmm. Because ain't nothing like standing on the word of God if you're telling it truthfully. Mm-hmm. Ain't no need to argue with nobody. Ain't no need going back and forth about it. Open up your Bible and tell them what the words say. Or if God happened to give it to you at that moment, word for word, give them what the words say. Uh, I don't I don't hate people that can't teach. 
It's just that they're ignorant of the knowledge and not saying that they're stupid. Ignorant means I don't know. But I, I can't stand for a teacher to get up there and portray that they know it all and they don't. I can't I can't take that. I can't do that. Now I can understand somebody trying to teach, but they ain't putting themselves out there that they know it all and make a mistake here or there. You gotta mature somehow. I can take that. But if you got your chest out and you ain't teaching it right, I got a problem with that. I really do. Because you're confusing listeners that can go either way in life. Go to hell or go to heaven, depending on what you teach and preach. Yeah. All right. So we're going we're gonna... to. Uh, sorry about that. We're going to stop right there. Hmm. It's getting a Uh-uh. Keep going. No. We're going to stop right there. Oh, Lord. Okay. So we gonna come back next week. No, we'll come back somewhere. <laughs> no. I'm I I can take this another two hours. Um uh, it's, it's 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 so so I'm not trying to put any church down because we all got faults. I'm not trying to put any leader down because uh, all leaders have faults. Nobody is perfect. Uh but I, I what I do ask is that before you get in front of, you know, and, and I'm just speaking, I'm teaching, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about teaching right now. If you get in front of somebody trying to teach, uh, get an understanding first of what you're teaching. And when I say an understanding, is that you can teach it six or seven different ways, still meaning the same thing. And if you can only teach it one way, when somebody asks you a question, you're going to get confused. And you're not going to be able to go back to how what it what it actually says, but you got to get it in yourself first. What God is telling you, and able to teach it, you ought to be able to teach to a, a, a variety of people at the same time. You ought to be able to teach to uh, teenagers, young adults, middle aged and old folks at the same time. Everybody ought to be able to understand when you're teaching. You shouldn't have to only teach to children or only teach to adults or teenagers. You should be advanced enough, mature enough to teach to all four of those different types of uh, of people. And everybody get the same understanding. If somebody asks you a question, stop you and ask you a question, because you can teach it different ways with different illustrations that will still have the same meaning of what God is saying. You ought to be able to do that. Because you ought to be able to ask, you know, answer questions for people. And my daughter, my 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 middle daughter Vanessa, uh, when I used to teach Sunday school, did me like that all the time. And it, but it made it so good. It made it so good because her question brought out another thought. Her question, I thought I, I brought out another way of saying it to get to the same truth we was talking about in the beginning. And and I, and I I can't say nothing else about that from other teachers, but. Yeah, so tonight, I hope you, uh, we were just talking about Ephesians chapter 4. We went through verses 1 through 14, uh, and Paul was talking about the unity in the body of Christ. Um, so whatever God lays on your heart to do, uh, or is it, if it's, it, and you know, a lot of us don't even know we have gifts. A lot of us don't, don't, don't know the particular gifts that we have that God gave us to use uh, to, to bring mankind closer to him. 
right? So if God asks you to do something or you're stepping out on faith to do something, you might just be exercising the gift God gave you. And you'll know when that happens because you'll have a smile and a cry at the same time because it's going to feel so good that you did it without, with little effort. You just It came to you naturally, and it's something you'll do for free. See? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for uh, listening tonight. Um, thank you, Elder Oliver, for this platform. And, and Elder Oliver is a great teacher, great preacher. Uh, God has given this uh, uh, platform to Chaos Blog Talk uh, Radio. So thank you, Elder Oliver, for this uh, this platform. Thank you for um, uh, uh, putting up with me. Uh, I can get, you know, I, I thank you for putting up with me, sir. And I appreciate you and your wife, Lady K, your family. May y'all continue to be blessed, stay blessed. Uh, may God work out everything needs to be worked out. Uh, in your family and in my family, because uh, again, none of us are perfect, but we are maturing toward it. So, when you ever think about the word, per- I'm sorry, I'm back in the list. When you ever think about the word maturity, think about growth. Think about going toward perfection, which we'll never get there to the day we die and see Jesus. But maturity is growing toward perfection. How mature do you have to be? To be perfect, we're finding out the day we die to see where perfection is firsthand. So, thank you, Oliver. Uh, I'm gonna ask my wife to pray us out. I don't know if we're gonna do this next week. We may have the whole gang on next week. My my daughters. Hopefully, I can get my one of my one or two of my sons on. Uh, we have a family. Um, we need to do that, Ricky, to have a, a family, uh, not a family meeting on the air, but a family conversation. Uh, on the air. Whenever with the check them because they work night shift, so the boys. Well, we might have to, we have, might have to t- change the time frame of the show or something. I don't know. It's a special show. So again, um, yeah, go ahead and pray us out, sweetie, so we can get these well, people back 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 before, there. Tom. Before I close out, I would like to anybody that does not know. Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, I ask you um, to confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus died, that you believe that he died and rose on the third day. If you confess with thy mouth and, and, and thou shalt believe in thy heart that he has risen from the, uh, risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But you have to confess and believe with your heart that he died and rose on the third day. And if you don't, if you don't do nothing else, find you a good Bible teaching church that's going a line upon line that's teaching the Word of God, that's um, teaching and preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you um, for another um, Royal Blue um, broadcast, Lord God. I just want to say thank you for the man of God, Lord God. Pour back in what he poured out to your people, Lord God. Stir up the gift in each and every person that's listening on um, the air on tonight, Lord God. Those who don't know their gifts, Lord God, 
I pray that they ask you what, Lord God, and I just want to say thank you and I praise you for everything that you get ready to do in their lives, Lord God, if they seek you first. Your word says seek you first. Lord God, and I just want to say thank you. Give them the heart and the mind to seek you first. Find out what you're doing in this season and let them get busy doing it, Lord God. Stir up the gifts in the um, the fivefold ministry, Lord God. Lord God, touch each and every teacher, preacher, apostle, evangelist, Lord God. Let them do what you call them to do, Lord God. Teaching those, Lord God, um, and preparing um, those, Lord God, that's up under them, Lord God, preparing them on how and what to do, Lord God, to serve your people and to go out and witness, Lord God. And I just want to say thank you in advance for building your kingdom, Lord God. Thank you in advance for, for next week, Lord God, whatever the topic may be or whatever we're talking about, Lord God, anoint it, Lord God. Let it be uplifting for your kingdom and the building of your kingdom, Lord God. And I just want to say thank you again for um, Elder Oliver and his wife, Lord God. Keisha Oliver, Lord God. Touch their families, Lord God. Touch them, Lord God, in a mighty way, Lord God. Strengthen them even more, Lord God, so they can serve your people, Lord God, and do your will, what you have put in their hearts to do, Lord God, and my family. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. Good night.